It begins like this. Sing, O barren, you who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says Jehovah. Enlarge the place of your tents and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants shall inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And you know, it's interesting when you're when you're reading when you're reading this. You know, for example, if, if when you when you started right off with the first sentence and the first four words, it said, "Sing, O barren one." Well, immediately I'm thinking, "Well, I got nothing to do with that." You're speaking about a, a woman, and she's she, she doesn't she's unable to get to have children, and you know, and so immediately my mind would want to click off and say, "Oh, this is this has nothing to do with me as a as a uh, as a man who's sitting you know reading the scripture." Until we start asking the question. And I think we should ask this question. I think most people would ask this question: Who is the barren one? And 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 when I mean who, I mean categorically, who are we talking about? And I think if we don't answer that right away, then we could probably spend you know 15 minutes of our 60 um, going forward and, and never addressing it. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to I would like to throw this out as a question to to you, Jono, and and to Nehemia, who you think the barren one is? Is it is it Why? a picture? Is it? You know, are we dealing yeah. with a specific person? Are we dealing with a, a person, a category? What, what do you see that we're dealing with? Uh, I, well, I believe that we're dealing with Israel. I think we're dealing with Israel. And I think we have, uh, in the beginning of, of chapter 54, uh, where we're talking about Israel for the first few verses, I think up to about verse 6, well, eventually six, up, to, up to verse 9, it switches over to another analogy. But it, it, it kind of has that husband uh, wife analogy similar to what we see in Hosea. Mm. Yeah, so, so verse six, um, you know, very clearly uh, moves it from an allegory to uh, to a metaphor, and, and the difference is that you know an allegory will talk about you know in this case it's talking about Israel. Really, it's speaking about you know it's speaking in the terms of the of the of the barren woman referring to Israel. Well, in verse six, it tells us for like a, uh, an abandoned woman. And one who is sad in spirit, Yehovah has called you. So it's telling us when it says like, then we're dealing with, you know, actually a simile, we call that in English. Um, but it's telling us that this, this is all symbolic language and we're not literally talking about a barren woman. We're talking about Israel who has been rejected by Yehovah. And just as he has rejected her, he will once again take her back. Mm-hmm. And I love verse 7. Verse 7 is, is so powerful. Actually, verse 5. Can we just talk yeah, about verse 5? Yeah, I was going to say, we can't verse get past five, verse 5. Yeah. It says, if for we... your maker is your husband. For your maker mm-hmm. is your husband. Yehovah of hosts is his name. And your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. He, call, he is called the God of the whole earth. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's so powerful. Oh, He's awesome. redeemer. Yehovah of hosts is his name. And that's a power. That's powerful. And then think about Redeemer in the context of, remember, in the book of Ruth, Redeemer, uh, that's what Boaz was. Remember, there was another relative who was the Redeemer, and then mm-hmm. he wouldn't step up. And so the, the, the image of Redeemer applies, first of all, to land. Um, I think we talked about this when we did Leviticus, that, that yes. if there's a family plot that's been sold off, then one of the relatives has a duty to come along and redeem that land and buy mm-hmm. it back for the family. And then the same thing happens if there's a woman who dies without children, then someone in the family, and, and you know, back in those days, if, if she's a widow and has no children, she's basically destitute. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have children to work her land, and uh, she, you know, she doesn't have anybody to support her, and, um, and she doesn't inherit the land of her husband because that remains in, in the family through the mm-hmm. male line. So, so 
there's a duty of a redeemer to come along and take her and 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 uh, you know and take care of her. Mm. Um, and that's exactly the story of what's going on with Boaz and and Ruth in the book of Ruth. And and that's what it's saying here. Your redeemer is the holy one of Israel. He will mm. be called the God of all the earth. That that's powerful stuff. You know, it's it's. Uh, I also wanted to say that. Um, this this is such an example of this this little little term I came up with uh, a, a couple of years ago, maybe about a year and a half ago. It's, it's called the keep reading uh, concept, mm-hmm. which means you know when you're reading a verse, it, and usually in, in, in scripture, if you don't have context, you can you can do just about any kind of theological gymnastics you want, any kind of linguistic gymnastics you want, if you want to just stay you know within one verse. But what I I really like about this and why I started off with this idea that that if I'm reading it and I'm thinking okay, barren one, and oh that's not me. But if I do the two words, keep reading, and when I hear the words, Holy One of Israel, you know, when I hear the word Israel, it, it, if nothing else, it, it lets me hone in uh, about who we're talking about and what mm-hmm. we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't keep reading and I just go with the first few verses, you know, and I can either discount it or I could, you know, like I say, do some gymnastics or some theological gymnastics. Mm-hmm. And that's what I find over and over again in Isaiah. You know, we, we talked about Isaiah, you know, and, and him being this one who's preaching, he preaches from the, the richest of the rich to the poorest of the poor. He's on the streets. He's in the courtyards. He's before the king. I mean, he, he is, he is a, he's a, a preacher of preachers, you know, the way, I, the way I see it. And, and if we don't, again, look at context when it is that he's speaking or when he's prophesying, then we get all of these things, as I mentioned, sort of like uh, picking and choosing where it fits and where it doesn't fit. So mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. I see Holy One of Israel, I'm like, okay, that's what we're talking about. Then there's Amen. the switch. Amen. Okay. And for the Lord has chosen you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With, mm. a, with little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says Yehovah, your Redeemer. Hid mm. my face. Nehemiah, now you've got a whole section on that in, in your... stop there. In, yeah. Yep. In your book. Yeah, my book, uh, Shattering the Conspiracy of Silence, is actually an entire chapter that talks about this whole idea of what it means that God hides his face. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in the context, it's very clear that there's this woman, and in a moment of great wrath, he looks away from her. He's no longer looking upon her with love and compassion and, um, and taking care of her. And, um, and, and I love verse 7, because I, I feel like the, the, um, the, the English that you read, at least, Jonah, doesn't really do it justice, because mm-hmm. he says in 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 a small in a slight moment or a small moment, literally, uh, I abandon you, and with great mercy I will gather you. And that word "gather you," akabzech, that's a word that's dis- that's used to describe in, in a number of prophecies the ingathering of the exiles, and in so much so that that the Hebrew word kibbutz comes from this word, uh-huh. because the original kibbutzim in Israel were places where the exiles came back. And they would and they would gather and they would work the land. That that was the original concept of a kibbutz. Mm-hmm. So with great mercy, I will kibbutz you. I will gather you in. And um, you know, to to me, that makes it very clear. We're talking here on the one hand of obviously symbolically of the woman, but also of the ingathering of God's people who have been scattered, who have been abandoned, scattered throughout the world. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing the other thing is uh, Jonah when it uses the word. Uh, you know, Naomi used slight moment or a moment. <clears throat> I, 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 when I think of that, I think about perspective. Um, when you're in the middle of feeling like the barren woman or you're in the middle of feeling like the one who's being, you know, um, forsaken or you're in the, you're in the midst of the, being the one that, you know, like is the picture here as, as Israel has been many times. When he uses a moment 
But when they think of their present situation, it certainly isn't a moment to them. So, you know, mm-hmm. he can say it's for a moment, you know, 50 years or 70 years or 100 years or 200, 200 years. But, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you know, if it's just a day, it feels like a lifetime sometimes, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. I just think that what, what it makes me do when I hear that is I, I have to stop for a minute and I got to get out of my situation just for a second and say, okay, what would it look like? And this is what I love about the Word of God. What would it look like to get God's perspective on things? And this is an example of getting his perspective. Hey, for a moment, I had to look away from you. For a moment, I had to hide my hide my face. But again, for a moment, that moment in time for us without perspective feels like forever. Sure. And and, and that moment is 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 temporary. But the, exactly. uh, the, ev- the, the kindness that he and the mercy that he will show on yes. Israel is everlasting. That's, That's it. That'll be forever, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's grand. And here in verse nine is where it switches uh, the analogy. It says, and and obviously this is why this is the uh, the prophets portion for this mm-hmm. week is because uh, in in the Torah pearls it's Noah. It says, uh, for this is like the waters of Noah to me, for as I have sworn uh, that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you, for the mountains shall depart and the hills shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says Yehovah, who has mercy on you. Uh-huh. Now, I want to remind people when, they're, when, they're, <coughs> when they are listening excuse me, to us, there will be people that will come in and that will be the first time that they've, they've listened to Torah pearls on the prophets. But the idea... Just so they know, if this is your first time listening, sometime during the week, go back and listen to Torah Pearls, where we actually did address the issue of Noah and that particular portion that was read, you know, that portion that has to do with, with that story, so that they can always, you know, again, get context. Because, again, we're not going to be able to do the whole thing about Noah. We've already done it. This is, mm-hmm. this, you know, and that's, again, for the folks who are just listening for the first time who, who might not know that we've that's already in the can. We have that recording. It, it exists. You can listen to it. You can download it, and you can hear the portion on on Noah. Mm. You know what? What I love about what I love about this prophecy. Um, well, first of all, it's referring back to like you know, like you said something in the Torah. But w- w- what in what way is this like the waters of Noah? Um, and it's interesting. You, you read it as in the days of Noah. Isn't that how you read it? Mm-hmm. But this is like the waters of Noah. The waters me. of Noah. Yeah. Okay. And the second time also is it waters of Noah? The waters of no, Noah. First it's yeah. days. Okay. And seconds it's waters. Right, so in the Hebrew, it's waters both times. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, I've got waters here. And um, anyway, so and that actually has to do with something in the Hebrew text that is kind of technical. In some manuscripts, apparently, it says, Ki me noach, and then others it says, Ki me noach, Ki me is one word, and the word is divided differently, divided differently and it, it, it changes it from for the waters of Noah mm-hmm. to for the days of Noah. So it's... Any, mm-hmm. oh, little interesting textual point. Hmm. But anyway, what I love about this is that this is, I mean, in, in a way, like, not in a way, this prophecy hasn't been fulfilled yet. I mean, he's saying that there's going to come a time when there's going to be mercy, and it's going to be mercy that will never cease. That will never so depart this is, from you. So this yeah. is what, what I call like an end times prophecy. This is something about sure. the days when, the, when you know, we, we have this messianic era when um, there's this eternal peace and um, and what's interesting about it is he's saying there's going to be this eternal peace of covenant with Israel, and and I got I got to point it out here for the church people and not not for Keith but for the the people who who believe in what they call replacement theology, who mm-hmm. say that the church has replaced Israel that the God's covenant with Israel they Israel had a chance and now that covenant is null and void mm-hmm. and now the church replaces Israel. Well, if that's true, then Isaiah's a liar because yep. Isaiah is saying that there will be this eternal covenant with peace with yeah. with Israel. 
Amen. Amen. Yes. Uh, o you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems. I will lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies and your gates of crystal and all your walls of precious stones. Is there any carbuncle there? So, so let me ask a question. Uh, no, <laughs> can, I, can I ask the question again? Uh, I, I want to be question guy today. So, so is there is there a time where we can read this a passage like this? And and, and this is more of a you know this is actually a, I mean, this is not even only a technical question; it's a practical one. So, is there a time when I'm when I'm reading a passage like this? And okay, so maybe uh, he is speaking of Israel, but but in my personal life, it certainly is encouraging to me the thought that this is who he is, that he is one that would. Uh, not not hide his face that it would only be for a moment that in the midst mm. of despair and 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 chaos and confusion and frustration you know there comes a time where where he he steps in so so applying this verse applying this chapter this 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 idea of him coming in and bringing in the the you know the carbuncles of the world you know, <laughs> the diamonds the rubies <laughs> of silk all of sure. that stuff so 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 where would it be appropriate for me as an individual to read this and say, man, you know what? It, it seems like it's been a long time to him. It's been a moment. It's been like I'm barren. It's like I don't have a place. It, the list goes on and on and on. And to be honest, as I was reading this, I think of many people that 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 experience it that are that are experiencing this in their life at some level. Um, when when can we take this passage and say, okay, let's make this individual? Mm-hmm. When 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 does it when does it become individual? Or do we say no? It can never be individual. At least these particular words. It can only be related to um the situation here so i want to i want to well, throw that out I, I would say with any with any passage like this that there is the um the the contextual meaning and then there's maybe the lesson and the application that you can learn from it and like you mm-hmm. said the lesson and the application um this might not be what the prophet is directly talking about but you're right it, it, it describes to us characteristics of god that in a right. moment of anger he may he may you know uh, abandon us or so it f- feels to us uh, and then, and then, um, you know, with great mercy, he'll take us back. And so, so here's so that's, the pearl. Definitely, that's definitely an application. Mm. So here's here's the pearl that I want to bring up as we're as we're going through the prophets. That 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 you know, we, we may have kind of you know, you know, you're walking along, and sometimes you hit a little something that trips. The reason this one's important for me to say to people because I know there are people that are listening that approach Isaiah with a preconceived idea before they read language history in context. But then after we do read language history in context, we can ask, and, 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 and Nehemiah just confirmed it, you know, we can ask the question, okay, what does this say about Yehovah? What does this say about our Father? What does this mm-hmm. say about um, his, his view and his, his perspective on our lives that sometimes may seem overwhelming to us? But that are not overwhelming to him. Because one thing I get about this when I read these kinds of prophecies, I just get this idea that our, you know, we talked about this with the prayer to our Father, um, the Hebrew origins of the Lord's Prayer. When you're speaking of His kingdom, you know, may your kingdom be blessed or you know, your will shall be done. It gives you a different perspective of who He is. And when I read this and understand a little bit more about who He is by the way He's defined Himself in Scripture, it lets me pull the pull out of this. Wow, you know what? He's amazing. He can step in, and sometimes he does step away, and sometimes he does turn his face. But in all of it, it's him. And when he moves on our behalf, in which he can, you know, it's a powerful thing. So, Amen. you know, Amen. the point I'm trying to make, bring up is we'll come to different passages where we'll say, well, this clearly is Israel. This is, and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's also nothing wrong with saying, from that passage, what do we learn about God? 
Verse 13, all your children shall be taught by Yehovah, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. And you Keith, what, what do you have in verse 13? Is that what you have, the same thing as Jonah? For all your, yes. your children will be... Uh, how did you have it, Jonah? I've got, for all your children shall be taught by Yehovah, and great shall be the peace of your children. So, I say yeah, all Keith. of your sons shall be taught by Yehovah, and great shall be the uh, prosperity what of your sons. I got in Hebrew is all your sons... I mean, sons and children is really the same thing in Hebrew. But all your sons shall be disciples of Yehovah, is what the Hebrew mm. word means. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's hey, can I say, when, yeah. you hear, when you hear that, Jono, uh, and, and listen, anyone that's listening here, any, I mean, it, when you have children, isn't there just, uh, let, me, let me confess for myself, if there's any one thing that I ask for for my kids is that they would know Yehovah. Mm. I mean, jobs, listen, I mean, you could put the list out, put the list out of the things that you want. I hope that he gets a, you know, a, great, you know, a great job. And a, more than anything, I want him to have, I have three boys, so I'm using mm. him. It can be her for others. I want them to have an opportunity to have a relationship with this creator of the universe that says these kinds of things. Amen. That more than anything, that is what I want. And why? Because I know my sons, well, one of my sons may be listening. Every single day, Jono, mm. I think of one of my sons. Mm. Uh, at some point during the day, I'm thinking of my oldest, my middlest, and my youngest. And more than anything, I think, wow, if they could just be taught by him, if they could just stay in that relationship with him, then, I'm, then I, I, I sleep better at night. So this Amen. is an awesome verse as, as the point uh, for, for people who have children. It's, it's, it's you know, may it be. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Um, and it goes on to say, Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument uh, for his work. I have created the spoiler to destroy. Oh, now here, Keith, come on. I mean, this is some familiar mm. stuff. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you what shall you condemn. About? This didn't come from here. This is where it is. This, and is a, the, this came from here? This is where it is. This is the first well, 17. Where else would of, it be from? No, no, no. What do you mean, Nehemiah? You don't understand. <laughs> Jono, how many times did you hear this verse preached when you, when you were in your church? Oh, by itself, it's uh, you, you hear it all the time. You're invincible. Why? Because no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you shall... Uh, and guess when I saw it used. You shall this is when I would see it used, and I'm certainly not being, hopefully, I'm not being too hard on it. my tradition. We'd have the you know administrative board meetings and 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 uh, thing you know committees, committee after committee after committee, and then mm. when somebody would rise up and send a letter that says you know uh, you, you know the pastor you know what you preached was was outside of the scripture or hey what you did with Mrs. Smith was really wrong then Sweet. then the pastor would just stand up and say no weapon formed against me would prosper and every <laughs> tongue that rises up against me so this was one of the, this was what one of the verses that would be used all the time as a as a way to hush the hush it's, the it's a force field isn't it it's the force field <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, anyway. But it goes on to say, this is the heritage of the servants of Yehovah, the mm. heritage of the servants of Yehovah, and their righteousness is from me, says Yehovah. Amen. Wow. Awesome verse. Amen. Yep. Okay. And, so, and so what does it mean for it to be the heritage? Question number three. Amen. What does this mean uh, to be the heritage of, of this? And then again, well, of course, the, the Hebrew- second question is, who's a servant of Yehovah? So the Hebrew word there is uh, nachalar, here nachalat, which is a word we saw in Deuteronomy when they were talking mm-hmm. about the, the inherited portions of land. Mm-hmm. So here, the, And then we, we were told, well, the Levites don't have land. Their nachalah 
is the tithe and the and the sacrifices of Yehovah. And here it's saying the inherited portion of the servants of Yehovah is this protection that every vessel formed against them shall not succeed, and every tongue that shall rise against them in judgment shall be uh, shall be um, convicted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. All right. And uh, my prayer is that uh, Isaiah fifty four seventeen will that we, that I will be worthy to be a servant of Yehovah and mm. uh, have the protection of Isaiah fifty four seventeen. But there's an example though where Isaiah is speaking about something in the, this end time scenario, and that doesn't necessarily apply to every servant of Yehovah today. That's mm-hmm. not what Isaiah is, you know, because somebody might look at this and say, oh, that person, uh, the weapon, you know, stabbed him in the back, so he. Uh, you know, physically or spiritually, and so therefore he's not a servant of Yehovah because Isaiah says the servant of Yehovah, you know, will be protected. Mm-hmm. But again, this is talking about in the end times, and and mm-hmm. my prayer is that I'll get like a only a, a, a even a small portion of that in, today when mm-hmm. we're you know when we're in the situation where God is hiding His face mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, hasn't gathered us back in spiritually. And, and let so, me say, Jono, I want to say this, and, and I know the Torah pearls of the prophets, you know, we have one hour, and certainly I think that when it's contextual, we want to be able to, to bring in uh, contextual issues like what just Nehemiah said. And I will say to folks that are, are listening, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they turn on they turn on the radio, or they sit down and they listen, and they, they click on, and then they click off, and then they can wait until next week. When's next week's portion? But I will say something, that, that, that what we're doing um, is not going unnoticed um, from, from mm. friend and foe. Uh, friends that are listening, man, we appreciate it. But there's a lot of people that listen that simply look for one thing. How can I put the next post on Facebook? How can I put the next attacking uh, YouTube or, or whatever it is? Because they don't like this idea. They don't like the fact that Nehemiah, being a non-Messianic, non-Christian, Karaite Jewish man, would connect with a Methodist who, who, who you know, people look at me and they have me in the box. And then Jono who's done the best job of staying out of any box. We still don't know what box he's in. There are a lot of people that just aren't comfortable with this. You know, we travel. We actually have people. We actually have a man now, and this happens, you know, once or twice a year, who's going to places ahead of time that we're going to speak and basically trashing some aspect of either what we're doing or individually who we are as individuals. And, and that, and you know, that wears on you. And, and I think Nehemiah's point um, in vulnerability is a good one. There's a lot of physical exhaustion, but there's also a lot of emotional uh, spiritual exhaustion. So let's use this as a time to say a prayer. Not okay. only that our eyes would be open, but I want to say right. this prayer to the people that would listen. I want you to enter in with us. Uh, when we talk about, you know, here's this book, and people say, I don't want to hear a commercial. Well, here's this DVD. Everything that we have done is so that you are able to get that information and to apply it in your life. And everyone's not happy about that. Mm-hmm. So if we could take a moment that our eyes would be open. And I also want to pray for the eyes of our enemies to be open. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have anything to hide. There's not any agenda here that that we have Jono, I don't, at least that I know of and I certainly am living with Nehemiah so I don't see an agenda with him and hopefully Nehemiah if you see it I feel free to come and confront me on it we just simply want to take the word of God and give it to people that want it and so I want to pray well, that, that's an agenda that's an agenda that we want to uncover the truth and bring the word of God to people and that's well, an agenda I mean, that, that scares I mean, that scares the the you know scares people because they don't want others knowing the truth that that's a very you say there's no agenda, but that's a very serious agenda to empower people with the word of God mm. and uncover the truth. That, that's a, a big agenda and one that some people see as very, very dangerous. And let, let me just say, people were burned at the stake for that agenda. I was that's, that's, exactly, that's so true. Controversy, but you're telling me that, um, so you're telling me that you're, you're, you're saying to me that, that the agenda is simply that 
people truth. don't want others to know the truth, or is it is it that no, they our, have our, and my agenda? I don't know about you. My agenda is to empower people with the word of God and uncover the truth, and uh, and that's an agenda that is very frightening and dangerous to many people. And and Jono, can you tell me why that might be? Because making available information that they haven't been allowed to hear previously uh, threatens their theology. Okay. Making, making it available, so, as you often say, Keith, having all the information mm-hmm. to evaluate. Having all the information to evaluate. I mean, they want the people steeped in the darkness of tradition and That's superstition true. and don't want people knowing. And the knowledge truth. is the enemy of superstition, amen? It, it, okay, now I'm just going to say this. I'm just going to say this, you guys. I mean, we haven't had a good banter. The only reason I'm going to say this is because I, 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 wonder, I wonder sometimes that the people that we would say, well, they simply don't want the truth in their minds and in their hearts that they believe that they have the truth and in their hearts that they actually believe they have the truth and that they're actually concerned that what we're going to give them is going to is going to negatively affect uh, the people that they're also trying to reach and, and and here's why I say the opening of the eyes is so important because what do we really want like if right now we pray this prayer that our eyes would be open and our eyes are open and we find out you know what it's not the Hebrew Bible it's actually a hidden Bible called the Book of Jasher that really has all the truth, and that's and we find out that that's really what you know what's supposed to happen, or the list goes on. Mm. We, I would say, on this, unless I know different, and I've seen this happen with Nehemiah, and I've seen it happen with Jono, when something has come to our attention that we can look at language, history, and context mm-hmm. that that needs to be reevaluated, I've seen each of us reevaluate it. I want people's eyes to be open who think that they're truly giving people the truth but don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. They don't have the language, history, and context that could then reevaluate. And I've also seen that happen with some people that used to be enemies that now say, you know what, thanks for the information. I guess I want to now. So I don't yes. want to, you know. And I think in fairness, we, we have to be the first ones to admit that we, we yes. don't have all the answers um, oh, and that we may in good faith be uh, yes. teaching things that are wrong. But yeah. ultimately my goal is to get to the scriptural truth, and, and I guess I have to add that word scriptural because that you're right. People, was, you know, yes. people look at tradition as truth, and, and they're like, "Well, why is your scripture more important than my tradition?" So I'm about trying to find the scriptural truth and uncover that scriptural truth, and I'm the first one to admit that I'm I'm only doing my best, and I don't have all the answers. Amen. And that's why I call upon people to you know read it for yourself and check for yourself. Amen. So with Keep that, I'd like to say the prayer. Psalm 119, verse 18. If you would, Amen. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for technology. Thank you for Jono being able to get on the radio, Nehemiah, myself, and for Perry, who's hosting us. Just help us to, to be able to take the, the approach of humility that would, would constantly say, where our eyes are closed, open them. Where our minds are, are, are shut, open them. Where our ears are shut, open them. But open our eyes that we might see the wonderful, most amazing, hidden, marvelous, powerful, great things that are in your word, in your Torah. Amen. 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 Now I've been I've been waiting for one thing. Yes, one thing. I have to do this while I'm thinking. I've been waiting to be able to read Isaiah 55 verse one. Now, okay. What I want to know, Keith, is in your Bible, what is the first word? No, no, no. No, See, Jonah, you just took my shtick away. This is all I've been waiting for, you know. And then you just (laughs) you take it away from me. I want to read. I want to read Isaiah 55 verse one. And in Hebrew it says, "Hoy." And you know what? I have to tell you, I, I, this is the coolest word in the Bible. The most amazing word in the Bible is the four letters yud heh vav 6,827 times. I find this word to be the coolest. This is the one that I would use in my neighborhood where I grew up. 
I'm convinced, Jono, that when no one's around, you're out in the back with those goats, and you're saying, hoy! <laughs> oh, there's a lot of hoy. Hoy! Yep. So, so, so I just want to say this. I think this is so cool that it's written. Like, I, like, I find it in, let's see, what, Isaiah, Isaiah uses it more than anyone else. Uh, Jeremiah uses it a few times. Ezekiel uses it a few times. Habakkuk uses it, uh, Habakkuk uses it a few times. Zephaniah uses it once. But the point is that this word is so cool. Like, and I want to ask this question. What do we think this word means? Is is he rapping? I've got Keith. I've got an exclamation mark after it, but I don't know what it means. I, I've got "ho" with an exclamation mark. You, you, really? That's okay. what I've got. All right, Nehemiah. What, what about you? What do you see that it means? Well, it, it's a it's a word of exhortation. It's a way of you know getting people's attention. It's uh-huh. like you know, it's like "oi" over there. <laughs> All those who thirst, go for, come for the water. You know, it's it's, it's really. If you've ever walked through the Shuk in Jerusalem, Machani Yehuda, you, you hear this. You know, yes. th- there they're not selling water for free, uh, and uh, you know, and, and giving wine and <laughs> giving away wine and and uh, milk without price. There they'll tell you, you know, oh, strawberries, three for ten, three for ten, three for ten. Watermelon tastes like honey. Fifteen a shekel, fifteen. Shekel, you know that, so and, and that's where this comes. It comes from the world of of the Shuk. So, so what's so cool? And, and Jono, I know you know this. And this, this is not a promo, you guys. But one of the things I love more than anything in episode one of uh, Time Will Tell is being in the Shook because that was one thing to him. Mm. Yeah, when he when I first brought me there, I was like, I didn't want to leave because these people are yelling and they're screaming, they're shouting, oi, oi, oi. <laughs> and I and I imagine Isaiah uh, there in a Shook. And I imagine people walking back and forth. And I imagine people like, oh, you know, what's he talking about? And then he says this word, and the word he says makes you stop. And then what he says after it, it even gets you to slow down some more. And then the third thing he says, which I think is even more uh, attention-grabbing, is this. Can, can I read the first verse? Please. So he says, Hoy, everyone who thirsts, that might be me, come to the waters. And he says, he who has no money, at that point, you got my attention. Okay, mm-hmm. because he's, <laughs> what do you mean? If hey, I got no money, hey, that's you, true. You, you're going <laughs> to say something to me that's going to, for, for those that have no money, and imagine being in the shook. You're walking along. You've got a few shekel, and this guy says to you, "Hey, you thirsty? Hey, you hungry? I mean, wow! I, <laughs> I just love this verse. I love this word. It's my coolest. It's the coolest word in the Bible to me. Boy, and by the way, we we actually talk about this passage in um, the Book of Prayer to Our Father, where we're talking about what Christians refer to as the Lord's Prayer, and we talk about the whole idea of bread and the spiritual meaning of bread, which is very clear in this passage. So. They can get that from truthtoyou.org, can't they? A prayer to our they father. They can get it from truthtoyou.org. You most certainly can. Oh, yes. man. Excellent. Uh, wh- why do you, he goes on to say, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight uh, itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Mm-hmm. Is that what you got? Sure mercies of David, Keith? Oh, it says here, it says the sure love for David. Mm. Mm, really? We could probably oh, do a gonna... whole show. We could probably do a whole show just on this. You're not gonna... I'm, I'm, I'm going to let it go. Oh, oh. come on. Is it love or mercies? Which one is it? No, no. Well, so, so, so this is the word. <laughs> I want everyone to stop and write this on a piece of paper. I mean, it just said, I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> no, I mean. Because we're running out of time. No, but so all right. So the word is chesed, and chesed is a, is is a word that's that's hard to, admittedly, hard to translate. It's a word that they sometimes translate as loving kindness, as mercy, as righteousness. Okay. Um, 
But here we're dealing with, uh, sometimes they translate it even as grace, uh, rarely. Um, these are the, the chesed, chesdei David ha-ne'emanim. And ne'emanim means faithful. The faithful righteousness or mercies of David. Now, what does that mean? I will make for you an eternal covenant, the, the faithful righteousness of David. And so, and I don't know that it's immediate, immediately obvious. I mean, how do you guys understand it? I read this and I say, and it says here, he says, and I will make with an everlasting covenant my steadfast, sure love for David. It, to me, it seems like the covenant itself is the thing, and the, the picture of it is what he did with David, holding on to him, okay. showing his covenant through him. I'll give you my take on it, which is, is what the eternal covenant will be about. Mm-hmm. The uh, faithful righteousness of David, or faithful um, chesed of David, and then he elaborates that on that in verse four. And what is the faithful righteousness of David? That is the covenant that God has with David in his line, that mm-hmm. the King Messiah will always come from the line of David. Mm-hmm. And so this is essentially an eternal covenant, promising that what was promised to David will be an eternal covenant. And then that's verse four which in mm-hmm. Hebrew says, Behold, uh, a witness for the nations I will give him, and uh, a prince and a commander of nations. I mean, that's talking mm-hmm. about what we call the Messiah, the Davidic, yeah. the descendant of David, who is king. Yeah, and so when we see the word, the, in other words, here's, here's the everlasting covenant, here's the picture of how it works itself out. Okay, so uh, verse 5, it says, Behold, you shall call nations that you know not, and nations that knew you not shall run to you. Mm-hmm. because of Yehovah your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So like it's this picture like, okay, ones you didn't know, and then yeah. ones didn't know you are going to come to you because of him. Right. So I it, think that's really interesting because, you know, you and I, Keith, are, as we're traveling around, I know I at least interact with all these people who, who have been called to the God of Israel and uh, uh, have embraced the Torah, and, and they're, you know, by their own admission, they're, they're Gentile descent, to the best of their knowledge, they've, you know, as we call it, shaken the family tree and no Jew fell out. And then mm. what many of them will do is um, they'll say, okay, well, I must be a descendant of one of the ten lost tribes. Because why else would I be called to the God of Israel? And they might be. I'm not saying they're not. But here's an alternative in verse 5 here. It's prophetic that Gentile nations, nations who had no connection with Israel, who mm. had no contact with Israel, who are not Israel, by descent, they're going to come running and embracing Israel because of the God of Israel. Amen. 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 And you know what? Isn't that isn't that really? And isn't isn't that what's what's interesting about what we're what we are doing? Again, for those people that have such a struggle with this idea that how can you even be in relationship? And, and not only in, in relationship, how can you open up the Word of God together and and have something to say? to people when you have one person who has a certain belief, another person has a certain belief. Well, this is where this whole thing breaks down and the barriers break down. When the common ground becomes the Word of God, the Word of God says that there are going to be nations, and and can I get really, really radical, nations Uh that maybe right now that we look at and hate, Uh nations that we might look at and say, you know what, I can't wait until they burn in hell. And you know what? And, and and it's like Jonah, and it's really cool. I want to tell this story. Do we have a minute, Jonah? Please. please. How much time do we have? Do we have? Yeah. Do we have a minute? Tell a story. Tell I want to. I want to tell him a very quick story. We're at the end of the portion here, uh, the reading, at least from my understanding of the portion. Mm-hmm. 
We did something uh, when we went. Nehemiah and I went um, down to Tel Aviv. You know, and I, most most of the the last episode of Time Will Tell is is me me trying to find ways to get Nehemiah to do stuff with me, and so he 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 would agree, and we we kind of go back and forth. But one of the things we did is we went to Tel Aviv to the museum of the, uh, the well, I should call it the Diaspora Museum, where you have this sort of idea that that Israel's been scattered all over all over the all over the world. It's a really powerful museum, but. But not to, I don't, I'll talk about that later in another portion. But what we did after that was what, what Nehemiah wanted to do. He said, hey, let's go down to the beach. Down to the beach. And Nehemiah took his shoes off, you guys, and he walked on the beach. And then after that, he said, hey, one more thing. Let's let's drive through uh, ancient Joppa. And and this is such a cool thing because when you drive through ancient Joppa, there's, the only thing we saw was there was a clock. We were on our way. We had to get somewhere. But the concept itself was this idea that Jonah – Jonah, <laughs> I can't believe it – Jonah <laughs> – or Jonah, whatever you want to call him, <laughs> Jonah actually um, was 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 had the attitude kind of like you know you know here's judgment's going to fall upon this evil nation, and and then he goes there and we know the story he goes there and he preaches and the people repent. True. And after they repented, he's like, "What are you doing, God? Why are you?" And isn't that kind of kind of what we're talking about? That at some point, the Father, in his in his mercy and his love and his, mm. that somehow there are going to be nations that are going to that that we don't know or that don't know Israel and Israel doesn't know them, but they will be nations that will come to him. Amen. And I think, wow, that's why I don't get into this whole thing. And that this is controversial. People say, "Oh, you've got love for the Muslim. You got love for." I love everybody until I hear different. You and isn't know? that what? Uh, and isn't that what? It, what, what it, it, the, the the chapter that Nehemiah was always reminding us of countless yes. times throughout uh, Torah. Countless Pels. times. Fifty six, chapter fifty six, only a little bit further on from verse one to verse eight, uh, the salvation for the nations. And uh, we don't have time to go through that now. But if you haven't heard the many times that Nehemiah read it, went and went many Woo! times. Hours. No, it's also in Shattering the Conspiracy of Silence I talk about that a number of times. That's right. That's right. So there's some homework for the listeners. But, but Jono, isn't that the point, though, that we're not – I mean, I just want people to hear this. I just want to say this. This is not tooting a horn, but I love the idea that there are nations we don't know and nations that don't know us. And when I say us, I'm speaking about those who've decided to join themselves to the God of Israel, that in the end he gets to decide. And I I think it's, it's best for us not to try to decide now. Let, let's love let's love our neighbor as, as, as you know we love ourselves and sometimes our neighbor might be the ones that we hate the most so mm-hmm. there it is you know for, for, for me I'm, I'm almost more excited when I meet somebody who uh, who says you know uh, I, I've done all the research and I've checked everything I can and, and I've, I've, I don't have an ounce of Israelite blood in my body but I love the God of Israel and want to be part of his covenant. That excites me in some ways more than when I meet people who say, well, you know, we're, we're the 10 lost tribes or, you know, my great, great, great third, 14th generation grandmother uh, was, you know, was Jewish and, and, you know, no, I can't prove it. But, you know, and uh, to me, you know, because those are things that are speculation. But when the person comes to me and says, I, to the best of my knowledge, I'm not, I, I'm not Jewish, I'm not an Israelite. But I've embraced the God of Israel and his truth. To me, that's a fulfillment of this prophecy. And there's no speculation, no guessing. You know, this this is fact. A nation that Israel has not known has now come to the God of Israel. Hallelujah. There's just no way that I... Yeah, there it is. That's what I wanted. I wanted a bit of... I'm excited. I'm sorry. Well, now, while we're excited, I I know we've we've finished uh, uh, the, uh, the prophets. That is... Uh, the portion up to verse 5 but I have to if you guys will allow me and maybe we're going a couple of minutes over but let me just read the next two verses if if you will let me it says 
Seek Yehovah while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to Yehovah and he will have, he will, he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly may it be. pardon. May it be. May it be. Amen. It be. Amen. You have been listening to Torah Pearls on the Prophets on Truth to You radio where you can also freely download this and other, other Torah Pearls programs at truth to you.org. And uh, next week, we are in Isaiah 40, verse 27, to Isaiah 41, verse 16. And until then, dear listeners, be blessed and be set apart by the truth of our Father's word. Shalom. No, that's I'm telling you, we got to get we got to get we got to get Nehemiah in the morning like this every time. He's concise. <laughs> he's clear. He gives it. He gives it to us straight. No, that was great. Number. Oh.